You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It's you up. It's Tuesday. Well, it's Monday to me, but you know that. Um, I'm back in St. Louis, back from the road. Thank you to everyone who came out to shows this weekend. Holy shit. I, um, I can't believe people like me that much. <laughs> it's always so nice to see, and I am always in disbelief, and I have a moment before every show where I'm like, they think I'm someone else or what I'm not going to live up to their expectations and you know, all these fears, but I really actually feel so good after this weekend and seeing, um, and getting the feedback after the shows and having people DM me and say how much they like the set, because I do feel like my set is all over the place. And it is, I mean, it is just, I have hundreds of jokes that I'm just like reaching into a grab bag in my mind and pulling them out. There's no order yet. There's no, actual beginning middle and end there's no storyline there's no through line there's no point of view or tone i mean it is completely chaotic but that's where that's where i am right now in the creative process when you're putting together an hour especially an hour that you're putting together on the heels of not even on the heels in the fucking belly of a pandemic this is what a special looks like or this is what an hour of comedy looks like is what i'm doing and i can't be so hard on myself I was watching a lot of other comedian specials this weekend, comedians that I usually am like, you know, my more my peers. I'm not watching, uh, if I watch Gaffigan too much, I start crying because I just am like, he doesn't, there's not a single word that is misused or there's not an um or a like or a so what else or, you know, there's no fat. And uh, yes, I'm watching specials, which are usually just, Per, you know, perfect, as perfect as you're going to get for a comedian's hour. But I watched some specials of some people that got really a lot of acclaim for their specials. And I went and, and they were, they were specials I never watched because I was too jealous of the people that put them out when they put them out. You know, they're people I like came up with and I saw some clips and that made me feel so much better because I was like, this is trash. <laughs> like there's a lot of bad comedy out there and I'm not saying I'm good comedy. I think a lot of times I'm trash some of my jokes right now would qualify as capital T trash, T rash, but it's because they're not ready yet. They're still, I'm still cooking, right? I haven't put in the effort. Um, some of these, and there have been jokes before in my act that have made it to my special that have not been fully baked. And I'll admit that some of my jokes, you could go back and watch specials and be like, that's trash. So I'm not immune to it. But my next special is going to be fantastic, and it's going to be very crisp and clear and not a lot of fat on it. I might be fatter, but it, I don't care because it's going to be about the jokes. I really I have a, I, I don't have a plan in place, but I, like I said before, I'm done beating myself up about where I am comedically right now because it's not helping anything. I'm accepting of it, just like meditation, letting the thoughts in, not judging them, not being – not putting too much weight on them, not thinking that these thoughts are who I am, letting them pass over me and then move on and acknowledge them and go, hey, thought, what's up? That's not really me. You're not a real thing. You're just a thing passing through my consciousness. Bye-bye. And then gone. And so when I have those thoughts of like, you're not good enough, this material sucks, you are like open micro levels of good and people just go to see you because you've been on TV a lot and you've convinced you know, Conan and Bill Maher and Howard Stern and all these people that you admire so much to like you because you just compliment them a lot. Like, that's why I kind of think that 
people who like me like me is because first of all either they saw me on the roast which when people just like me from the roast i'm like you know i've i have writers on the roast so i never feel like oh that's fully me um as everyone does on the roast literally everyone you've ever seen so i don't feel bad about that that's that's what you have to do for the roast and by the way comedy central never gives me enough time to prepare for the roast if i was to write it for myself i'm always the last person asked they give me you know enough because i fucking kill it but you know if i found out earlier i could maybe scramble less and not need as much help but i don't give a fuck about asking for help every single person every comic you know and love gets immense amounts of help it takes a goddamn village and i'm not i'm not opposed to it my next special i am like all hands on deck if it can be funnier and people can write to your voice and help you be clearer with your ideas why do we always have to do everything alone like musicians go into a studio and work with producers work with other writers and when they sing it, we're like, oh my God, it's theirs. And we give them all the credit for it. Yet if we find out a comedian uses writers, we judge them for it. But guess what? I choose every line I say. I choose the way in which I say it. Why am I defending? You guys aren't even mad. I'm defending using writers, but I am, I am going to get some help um, for my next special. And I had help for my last special too. And the special before that. You know, I had friends look at it and give me tags and stuff like that. And the special before that, like everything I've ever done, I've had friends give me tags. I mean, it really is a collaborative process. But the busier I get with other work, I just can't. And especially that I can't get on stage every night and work out this material, I'm going to have to bring in more people to write with me and, and help me along the way, which I'm excited about doing because this next special is going to be fucking incredible. I'm really, I'm, I'm saying it now because it's going to be. And I'm going to get help from my depression, which really holds me back from being the best I can be. When I get into a headspace, if I'm not, you know, the negative headspace, if I'm not good enough, what's the point? Um, I'm getting old. No one likes me. I'm going to be irrelevant. They all like this person. This person's getting everything. I'm not getting anything. I live at home with my parents. All of those thoughts like that makes me not funny. So once I get help with that stuff, which I'm, it's well underway, I'll be freed up to be so much funnier. Um, I got a note from a guy today. I was on Instagram kind of bitching about stuff. You may have seen it. I just was like, I don't really want to have comments on my Instagram anymore. I'm kind of done with it for now. If I could get off Instagram, I would. Mm. I got to take a swig of my Zevia zero calorie soda flavored with Stevia. Not an ad. Just love it. The root beer kind. $7.99 for a fucking 10 pack of this shit. It was $6.99, but I went today and $7.99. I'm turning into my mother. What the fuck? Um, <clears throat> yeah, someone wrote me today. I want to share this exchange with you because I, I turned off my comments because I do look amazing in these pictures that this uh, girl, Elizabeth Vigiano, took on Friday night, which I already, it's, it was, they were taking Friday night and it is Monday. And I've already convinced myself that I'm not as pretty as I was on Friday and that my hair has fallen out more and it doesn't look as good. And like everything, uh, I get three days out from a picture and I'm already away from it so much that I, I can't take any kind of credit that I get for it. So any, I didn't, I disabled the comments because I didn't want to hear people be like, you look so hot. Cause I'm like, I've already gained weight. I've already, my skin's looser because I haven't worked out. I like had all these thoughts. So like any compliment I got for those pictures, I wouldn't even be able to let in which is so stupid, but that's how my mind is. Like I did that photo shoot 
that I told you guys about and that I posted some pictures of like three weeks ago. I am so far removed from those. So it's not even three weeks ago. It was two weeks ago on Sunday, yesterday. And I'm already so far away from those pictures. There is no, like posting those will feel like, you know, I, I might as well post a picture from 2008. Like that's as like fraudulent. That's how it fraudulent it feels because I feel like I'm aging so fucking rapidly, but that's not true. Um, so that's what I mean. Like I just disabled the comments. I originally wrote because I didn't want people to tell me I looked like my dad, but I just didn't, I honestly didn't want the good comments. And I've said this before. I talked about it extensively on Whitney's podcast and on here. When I post a picture of myself where I look hot, the comments that flow in, I just can't handle the, the compliments. I don't like it because I just feel like those, that's not really what I look like most of the time. Or, you know, I was standing with my back arched. My L7 was like inflamed. I have to go to a chiropractor to get the picture that I took for you that you like so much and that you think is me and that you DM me that you want to take me out. Like when I get DMs from guys that are like, I would marry you in a heartbeat. I'm like, it's, that is based on a picture that is so like so much effort went into that. I can't, I can't stand like that all the time. Honestly, I, my back will break. I will, I will need spinal surgery for our wedding if I have to keep looking like that for you to feel like you want to wife me, husband me, I don't know how it goes. Yes. I understand that no one would expect me to look that hot in those pictures all the time. I don't expect that from the men in my life when I see a hot picture of them. Um, but there's just something I just don't want to be focused on my looks right now, good or bad. And that's just where I stand today. But the problem is when you take away your comments, people get really upset, which I know this because I've done it on my Instagram stories. See, I no longer allow commenting on my stories unless you, I follow you and you're like my friend. Then, because it's just, it's too much. And people get so mad. They always DM me, why can't we comment on your stories? Why can't we comment? Because like I said with Anya the other day, it, would, it just, it takes all day. It just takes up so much of my time to write back to you. And then if I don't write back to you, I feel bad. And I know a lot of you wrote to me saying that you don't mind if I don't write back to you. But in seeing that, I wrote back to most of you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, like it just, I can't, I can't let it slide. If you take the time to write me, I feel terrible if I don't write you back and it's stupid. But some guy wrote me after today. So I said on my Instagram today that I was, I just, you know, fire emojis mean nothing to me. Someone saying serving looks, you know, or like girl, you look amazing here or marry me hard eye emojis all those things they don't even get in they don't they don't make me feel good and then the negative comments make me feel terrible um and they those do get in when people say I look like ann coulter or they say um you know milf or you know where's your ass or that you look like your dad, like any of the Larry Bird, like they make, you know, they kind of um, reiterate roast jokes that have been made, which is the lamest thing you can do is just like double down on a roast joke someone already made. It's like whatever. Um, so there's just no winning and I just don't want comments anymore. I just don't want them. I love when people are like, we, I if I could only let in comments that are like, I was at your show on Friday. It was so much fun. We needed it so bad. I would love that. Or I love your podcast. It makes me feel whatever. Yes, I would let those in. But God, people cannot help themselves to comment on women's looks. And men's too. Men get this a lot too. But I'm just done with it. 
I want to be mentally sound and that's throwing me. So I'm going to take a break from letting people comment on my pictures. And guess what? Taylor Swift doesn't let a fucking single comment on any of her pictures. And I love her for it. Because the thing is, when you read, even if you don't comment on someone else's pictures, when you read other people's comments, it, it, it tells you what to think about that person. It influences your thoughts about the person. So if negative and good. So when, you know, when I post a hot picture of myself and then I'm, a guy I like reads the comments and other guys are saying I'm hot. It probably makes him think I'm hotter. So that, that in that way it works to, for me or it makes girls more girls jealous, which I don't like to do. I've never seen a hot picture of a girl and not felt good, worse about myself. Maybe that's just me. I've never seen a girl looking like super hot and been like, I'm so happy for her. No, I'm sorry. That's just my truth. Maybe my friends, I get excited if they look like happy and healthy, but hot, don't really, I don't wish that for anyone. I don't need anyone being hot. I'm too, it makes me too sad. Isn't that pathetic to admit? I'm really sorry to admit that. This reminds me of a joke I wrote my like first year in comedy. And this is true. This is based on, I have felt this way my entire life. This isn't just something, and this isn't me. You don't need to yell at me about this. I'm just being honest about how I feel. And I bet most women feel this way and they aren't honest about it. They're like, go girl, you look amazing. Inspiring looks like, no, you're, you don't, no one wants anyone to look hot. I don't, I don't like it. I like when guys look hot and I am inspired by some women's beauty, but it still enrages me most of the time. There were some recent pictures of Jennifer Aniston where she looked her age and I fucking loved them. She still looked amazing, but she looked like uh, in a way where I was like, oh, good. Now I can maybe age kind of pictures. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I, she looked my age, to be honest with you. She looked 36 as opposed to 22. So that made me feel good. But one of the f- first jokes I did was about JonBenet Ramsey, which is, you know, obviously – not something I should make jokes about. And actually it is because you can joke about anything. And obviously I'm not saying that what happened or whatever, you guys know who I am, but the joke I made, and this really did come from a real place. I remember when she died, I was little. What year did she die? Let me look this up real quick. Cause I remember my first thought, cause I was jealous. I used to say to my mom, this is not about job name Ramsey, but I used to say to my mom when I was little, how do you not get jealous of me and Lauren? Because we're younger than you. And therefore, like, more attractive. And not to, like, men, because, like, oh, men want to fuck us, and isn't that fun? It's like, you know, you just get more things when you're attractive in the world. So I used to say, Mom, how I'm scared to have kids someday because I'll be jealous of them because they'll be younger than me. And she'd be like, and I remember her being like, you just aren't for your kids. It just isn't a thing that you're worried about. But I remember even struggling with that. And I was young when I asked my mom that. I was like, how can you not be? I'm going to be so jealous of my kids. I don't want to have kids. She was murdered in 1996, December 26th. I was 12. And I remember thinking she would be so, she's so pretty that like, I'm like not that sad because now there's less competition out there. And I wrote that joke about it. Back when I first started out in comedy, I wrote a joke that was like, 
you know, JonBenet Ramsey, it was terrible what happened to her. But there was a part of me that was like, I don't mind because she, right now she would be like such a 10 and I don't need that kind of competition. It's not even a good joke. It's just a real feeling. Isn't that sick? What's wrong with me? Anyway, um, I'm going to get a lot of feedback for this podcast. I have a feeling this is, but can we all just admit that we feel the same way as me? Or maybe you don't. Maybe you love when other women look amazing and it makes you feel better about yourself, but I'm guessing it doesn't. So this guy wrote me, I'll finish this up. I'm going to make a lot of enemies here. I don't need to get canceled. I'm just saying how I felt as a child that I was so jealous of pretty girls, even when I was little, that when JonBenet Ramsey died, I was like, I mean, at least it was a really pretty girl because, I mean, that's so sick, but there's truth to it. So this guy wrote me and was like, he goes, I usually don't DM the comics I follow, but I just wanted to tell you that you are like top five all-time comics for me. And I've been following you on IG for a few months now. And it seems like you have gotten so far inside your head that it's almost become becoming insufferable. I know that I can just easily unfollow you and I might do that at some point, but I just figured I'd let you know that as a totally normal person living in Colorado with no agenda whatsoever, it just comes off as though you have no gratitude for your fans and all of the people who have listened to your podcast and watched Unsafe for years now. Well, my show's called Not Safe, but close enough. I might be totally off base, but it's just how it feels. I hesitated sending this because I did watch Rogan's podcast, which was hilarious, by the way. And I know you've been going through a lot of a lot and you suffer from depression. So I wrote back to him and I said, what do you mean by inside my head? Truly, what's your complaint? He said, I guess I'm just, it's just confusing for someone like me who genuinely loves your show and your comedy so much. And I think you're so charming and interesting and layered. It's a gut punch to hear that you really don't care if we respond at all. Maybe that's not what you're saying, but I was just reading too much into it. But I've been wondering lately if you self-sabotage your own happiness by maybe just not letting yourself feel all the love from those of us who think you're truly great. Or maybe that's not why you need it and you don't need validation from fans and you do it for you and I just need to get the fuck over myself. Okay. I wrote back to that, but I'm going to just answer it now. Um, I obviously care what my fans think. That's why I decided to do a podcast every single day, an intimate podcast where I tell you things that can probably get me canceled. Um, because I have a relationship with you and I feel so happy. I wouldn't do this if I didn't love the, um, the fact that you guys listen and you give me constant feedback about what it means to you and how you feel like we're friends. And it gives me self-esteem to do this because of you, because you guys enjoy it. If no one listened to this, I would not be doing it. You know, um, I love my fans I've never really understood that when, when, when people go like, my fans are the best. I'm always like, of course they are because they like you. Like you really think your fans are better than anyone else's fans. But I do think I have extraordinary people who like me. Like I just, most of the time they are people that I could see myself being friends with, you know, when I get to meet you guys backstage and stuff. So I, I love the feedback. It's just, if I could just weed out everyone else and just let you guys who really get it and just talk about stuff that matters and not, you know, my skin texture, I would do that. But you, it's all or nothing, you know? And I assume you guys want me to be happy so I can keep putting out good content, which is what I told this guy. I go, listen, I love the feedback, but it makes me so sad that it makes me not able to be of a right mind in which I can make good comedy because when I'm sad, this fucking, this podcast sucks when I'm depressed. <laughs> it really does. I mean, I know it's helped some people, but I don't feel like it's good. I have to keep putting it out every day, but I put out some real bombs because I've been sad. 
So I'm just protecting myself so that I can be a better artist to, for the fans, right? So that's what I told him. And I said, listen, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. She doesn't let me comment on anything. And does it make me like her less? Yes. No, it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. I know that Taylor Swift loves her fans because she talks about them all the time. Maybe I need to talk about my fans more, which I just did. Um, I assume she, she reads fan stuff, like things that fans post. So when people tweet about me, I read it. When people write about me on Reddit, I read it. It gets to me. Like, in a, like it, get, it gets, like I, I see it. It gets, like it will get to me. I will receive it if it's out there. Um, I just don't think that everyone should get a close personal one-on-one I get to directly read what you think about me all the time, good or bad. I just don't think that that's part of the artist fan relationship. And I am a fan of so many artists and I don't, I never got that. The most you can get that is when you scream, I love you, Dave, in the middle of a Dave Matthews concert. And you know that he heard it, but he's not going to acknowledge it because he has to sing a goddamn song. That's as close as you, you could ever get in the past to before social media to the, the people you loved it was going on a concert and screaming at them during a slow song where they could maybe hear it. And now you can just write, I love you, Dave, under a picture of, well, he doesn't even post on social media, so I can't even get in touch with him. You have to go to a, you have to get a career big enough where you get a serious radio show. You have to tell serious radio that you're obsessed with Dave Matthews so that they know, and then they make it so you get to meet him and go to a listening session in which you embarrass yourself because you get overexcited and you tell him you want to hear something funky. If you don't know the story, it's on another podcast. But I met Dave Matthews and I embarrassed myself. This is all to say that I appreciate you guys. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, and I want to talk a little bit after we go to the break about um, my ADHD uh, diagnosis and a little bit more about the tour and about um, follow up on the guy from Raya that I talked about yesterday with Andrew. And we'll talk about some other stuff too. So um, stay with us, me, stay with me. Well, you can't stay with us here. My parents don't let people stay with us because of COVID. And also the guest room is kind of like a baby's room right now. So you can't stay with us. But if I could have all my fans stay with me, I would. Just kidding, that's a little too much. I'm barely letting you comment anymore. But um, okay, stay with me on the podcast. Welcome back to the show. Okay, so... Um, still in my dad's home office. So much fun coming back from the road today with him. And, um, uh, I just, I love my dad so much. We had so much fucking fun this weekend. Last night was a blast. The show was incredible on that farm. Really, really fun. Seriously. Thank you. Each and every one of you that came out to see a show. Like I said, I'm so excited about this new hour of material. I'm going to take it out in the spring when it gets, maybe do some more live shows coming up in the winter and in the on the west coast where it's you know warmer or south um but definitely in the spring when there's more outdoor venues doing stuff uh, i'm gonna do another tour because it was really rewarding just got to get this material together but you know what's gonna help is maybe getting on um something that helps me focus and get work done like uh i don't know an adhd medication that i might be prescribed because guess what dromal uh i have mild adult adhd that's something. I got the results back on Friday. I had a little um, Zoom sesh with my doc doc, and he said that, uh, yes, I do have uh, adult, uh, you know, adult symptoms of ADHD, which, you know, manifest in messiness, disorganization, um, depression, 
um, <clears throat> low self-esteem, all those things. But my focus is pretty damn good. <laughs> and I did really good on the word problems. I did good on the math problems. I didn't do good in saying well instead of good when you're talking about how you performed. I did well on the little clicker button test that I told you about where I had to sit in front of a computer screen for 20 minutes and click a button when the, there was a dot in the top corner as opposed to the bottom. I aced it all. And I, had to, I wanted to say to him, is it because maybe I do have ADD and ADHD? Like a normal amount, I'm just like really good at overcoming it. Like I'm smarter than most people. I didn't want to say that. But like, isn't there something to that where, you know, people can have the same affliction, but some people are just better at masking the symptoms because they fucking find ways around it. Could that be? Because I, I cried on the phone with him because I just, I wanted to, I wanted a better diagnosis. I wanted to be like very ADHD. I just wanted an answer, you know, for why I am the way I am. But he said that um, he's so lovely, man. He's very sympathetic. And he was like, no, it's not that you don't have it. You definitely have it. You just, did, you don't seem to have had it as a kid um, because I got good grades and I didn't want to run around a lot. I mean, I guess. Um, but, you know, I trust him. He did a thorough two-hour exam. Like, I'm, I, I guess I didn't, I don't have it as much as I wish I did. I just want a little bit of help. But he said that, the, that we could find help in medication, perhaps or uh, CBT therapy, which is what I'm already doing. I'm beginning. I've never been recommended it by a, a doctor that cognitive behavioral therapy would work for me, but this guy said it definitely would. And that's why I got that handbook, the, the Feeling Good Handbook by David Burns, which a lot of people have written me and said, after my Rogan appearance and said, what do you recommend for depression? I'm struggling so much. I'm having the suicidal thoughts like you do and all these things. And I've turned so many people onto that book, which if you want to get turned on the book, uh, and and really see what it's about. You can just <clears throat> Google David Burns TED Talk and go watch that TED Talk, and that's what sold me on his his methods. So I'm gonna get started on that, and um, and eventually go see a doctor uh, to get prescribed possible meds for this um, mild ADHD that I that I have. Man, it would help me write a new hour. But no matter what, I've already written hours before. I've done great work. I was looking back and I really love my special perfect. I don't know if you guys have ever seen perfect on Comedy Central. I did it in 2015. But I just, I look back and I loved that special because it's just so tight with jokes. And then there's a lot of things I, I look back and I go, what was, what was I doing during that special? How did, how was that so perfect? The special is called perfect, but I really do feel like I nailed it. And I would love to do a special like that again, but elevated to like, oh, I've been doing comedy now six years more like i want to just i want to do that level of like joke writing like where it's like da -da 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 where i thought like banging was a little bit more free-formed a little bit more honest and raw and which is good i'm glad i went there but i want to get back to like tighter jokes and i'm like what was the difference between those two specials one was i was on zoloft during perfect and i also wasn't smoking pot during perfect I also have not smoked pot since after my Rogan appearance, as I told you guys. That was Wednesday, the one, the whatever, two weeks ago on a Wednesday. Um, 
And before that, it was two weeks. So I only, you know, in the past month, I've smoked pot one day. And it was only one hit of weed. And then it was like a bunch of hits of like a vape pen that really didn't do much for me. And um, since then, I've not had any. And I feel really good about it. And it was the realization that I had not smoked pot when I performed perfect. Because I was in a relationship. And I quit quit drinking in 2011. And then I quit smoking pot in probably 2012 and a half. And then... I got into a relationship after that and I was even when I wanted to smoke pot again because I quit smoking pot for like two years and then I was like, I could do this again. I don't want to quit. I don't want to drink again, but I really want to smoke pot. But by that time I was in a relationship with a guy who really did not want me to smoke pot and he was right, you know, and then I started when we broke up and then I have ever since. And I think I just, I'm excited to see the next special when I'm on medicine, like I was before. Um, and not smoking pot. So I, I had some people write to me about quitting smoking pot. And I don't know. I feel, I, I really feel like this is the, the I, I'm really done with it. I got to be honest. Like, I, I, I don't want to say never because that's not what you're supposed to say. And I'm not in a program to like keep me sober off it. But I don't know that I need one. What I go to when I want to smoke it is just like Nikki it first of all is going to make your voice shit and i'm really trying to get a really nice singing voice i want to like record an album someday i i don't know i've just been I, i've been hitting notes and i'm not great at singing uh, like i'm not as good as i want to be but i've vastly improved with three singing lessons and i just see how i could be really good and i want to start playing guitar i want to be able to use my voice in ways that smoking a lot of weed or vaping a lot of weed does not help. Edibles, I don't even like them. Your body metabolizes them differently. And I, that's not going to be an option for me. I mean, maybe down the line, but so whenever I want to go smoke pot, which has been several times in the past couple weeks of like, oh, it would be nice right now. I just remind myself that it's, it's, it's going to give you a fleeting feeling of happiness, but ultimately it's a bad choice. And that's what's helped me with drinking is like, Yes, I want to do it now, but I'm going to feel like such shit tomorrow that it's not worth it. And the problem with pot is you don't get hung over the way you do with um, drinking, right? You don't have that like immediate, like I feel like death. Pot, it's like, yeah, you maybe are coughing a little the next day and you're a little bit hazy and maybe a little depressed and, you know, but it's not like so uh, obvious. And so I just try to focus on, no, the residual effects of pot are so much like, you know what really did it for me was listening to a set that I was doing in January when I was smoking pot all the time and right before I would go on stage. And I thought I was like, great. And I wasn't. And that's the problem with pot is that it convinces you that you're funnier and smarter than you are. And I just heard myself clearly for the first time. And I was like, no, I don't, that wasn't good. And I never want to do that again. And back to what I said before, because I don't, I, my fans deserve better. People who buy tickets to my shows do not deserve high me. And I didn't know that I was bad. So I wasn't disrespecting my fans who went to my shows in January. And if you had a good time, you should have, I was good, but I wasn't as good as I want to be. And I want, if people, people are paying too much for tickets for me to, to, to phone it in or to be high on stage. And, you know, I listened to Mitch Hedberg's album yesterday with Ari and uh, my dad and Andrew when we were driving to Connecticut. 
we're laughing our asses off and he's drinking throughout the whole thing. And that's fine. For some reason, people don't care when people are, I don't care when certain performers get drunk during shows. I'm like, oh good, they'll be looser. But it is a little disrespectful to the people that are paying to see you. You're getting fucked up on the job, you know, like, but some people just can't work without getting fucked up. They do it all the time. And so they shouldn't be not fucked up when they perform. That's why when I filmed Bangin', I was smoking weed all through my preparation for Bangin'. And then on the day of the performance, I was like, you can't be high for your taping. Well, why wouldn't you be? Because now you're suddenly going to take yourself out of the state you've been for all of the prep. So I did one half, not high. Like one show, not high. One show, high. Guess which most of the footage was from. The high version. It, you, I usually always end up using the second taping anyway because the first one you're just so nervous and the second one you're like well the first one's in the bag we did good enough i can just like relax now and then the second ends up being great so and i wasn't like blazed don't go back and be like she was so wasted okay i'm done talking about pot so i wrote to the riot guy from yesterday he hasn't written back yet and that is fine i took like three days to write him back so i feel no pressure there um what else did i tell you I was going to follow up about last night was so freaking fun. You know, what was the most fun was like, we got done with the show and we went back and we had dinner. It was me my dad, Ari and Andrew all had dinner at the double tree in Bristol, Connecticut, which is a fucking dope hotel. It was great. Shout out to the double tree. I love you. You were all so nice. Everyone had a joke going that I had a flirtation. The desk clerk like knew who I was and they were all like, Nikki, he likes you so much. And so we were just like joking about how I was, um, gonna hook up with the de desk clerk, which didn't happen. Um, and then I don't know. We just were like telling stories. Ari and Andrew were giving my dad shit about how long his stories take to tell and how they kind of meander and go nowhere. And it was just so rewarding that someone else like could see it <laughs> to, could like experience it because sometimes I feel like such a bitch when I'm like, Dad, I've heard the story before and it doesn't go anywhere. And I, I, I just kept getting Andrew to tell stories because Andrew has great stories and I wanted to give my dad examples of like, this is a good story. This is how you tell a good story. But my dad does have good stories. He just, you know, they're not usually about like, I like stories that involve sex and my dad's not very probably comfortable disclosing those stories. But my dad is awesome. I fucking lucked out. I really did. Um... We had such a good time and he was so down for everything and he was like really cute and encouraging and bringing him out on stage to sing that song at the end was just so much fun. I don't know. I'm sure I'm getting like just roasted alive behind my back by comedians about me posting about being on the road with my dad and living with my parents. I mean, comedians all talk shit about each other behind each other's back and I just know that's what's being said about me. It, You know what they're saying? We get it, Nikki. You hate you hate being called hot, but yet you post thirst pictures all the time. That's what they're saying. And they're also saying, yeah, get Nikki. We get it. You live with your parents. Your life is so terrible, yet you're choosing to do it. I got to make a choice here soon, too, about where to go. I'm going to find out about the reality show. I'm pitching it again uh, next week. Um, and if that sells, I'm going to stay in St. Louis, like I said, and film that here uh, with Andrew and possibly a meal, possibly Ian Fidance, possibly Carlisle Forrester, just moving my friends here. It'd be so much fun. And then also I'm just thinking about moving to LA again. I really, um, 
I don't know. I feel like I have some decent friends there already. And there's new friends I've made that, you know, I, like I said, I can't believe I'm friends with David Spade. I want to like move there just to be closer to friends with David Spade. <laughs> That's stupid to move across the country for a boy. Like Felicity. Um, no, he's just like, I can't, why am I not living in a place where if I live there, I can be like in my every day I could maybe hang out with David Spade. I mean, that's like my, it's a dream come true. Um, yeah. Speaking of Felicity, my dad yesterday, we were talking about like your dream girl. If you could pick any person to have sex with, you know, besides your wife, of course, or like the person, if you had to have sex with someone else, we were all answering. Ari said, who did Ari say? He said Elizabeth Shue, like back in, in her heyday. Andrew said Halsey. And my dad said Felicity. He didn't say Felicity. He said the girl from the Americans. But it's Felicity, Carrie Russell. And he also said Cheryl Hines from, you know, Larry David's wife on Curb. Loved that. I liked my dad choosing an age-appropriate woman. And then, of course, he busts out Carrie Russell. And I go, okay. Well, Carrie Russell and the Americans is pretty age-appropriate for a 66-year-old man. It's, that's the way Hollywood works. Who did I pick? Um, well, they, they didn't really ask me. No one really cared. But if I had to pick, I, God, I can never pick. Oh, it's my new celebrity crush, which I'm not going to tell you guys yet because I, I haven't had the balls to slide into his DMs yet. Noah helped me. My producer, Noah, helped me come up with the perfect DM. I have to send it. But I'm going to be so humiliated if it goes seen and then he never writes back. Oh, who do I care? Who do I care? What do I care? Um, I really don't care. I'm like picturing it and I'm just like, okay, yeah, of course he's not writing back. Um, no, I picked Taylor Swift. I don't know. I've been having a, a little bit of a, um, like I had a gay dream today on the plane. I had a dream that Ellen was on the plane and I made a joke to her. I made a joke to her about her being a bitch and she got really upset and was like, I just met you. And that was so rude. And I went over to her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm just like apologizing, apologizing, apologizing. And she suddenly, I can tell she's like attracted to me. And, she, and then I was like, you look beautiful. She did look beautiful. I was like, you look stunning. And then we're like kind of flirting. I mean, guys, this was a real dream. And then, but I was like, I, I was, I was in this, I found myself becoming the person in a relationship that I often am, which is like, I upset the person I'm in a relationship with. And then I just am like apologizing so much, just trying to get them to understand that I didn't mean to upset them. And they don't need to be mad at me because I would never do anything to upset them. That's like, that's kind of been like my relationships is I accidentally make the person mad and then they're mad at me. And I'm like, wait, can I please explain? Like, that's not what I meant. And then it just takes fucking forever to get them to forgive you, even though you didn't do it on purpose. And that's what I was doing. I was like literally on my knees going down on her in this in first class. No, just kidding. Begging. And then suddenly she like shifted and was like, okay. And then she wrote me a note inside a shoe that was like, you're beautiful, but you're straight. And I can't be barking up this tree. And I'm like, but you're with Anne Hayes. I don't know. I guess I was stuck in the nineties. I didn't even update it to Portia de Rossi, but I was excited about potentially dating Ellen. So maybe, maybe that's a sign. I don't know. No, but um, yeah, I, I said Taylor Swift would be my, my, um, you know, what's it called? Hall pass. If I were a gal, 
Um, and then, but really it's because I would just want to ask her about, because we, right before we asked the question of who you would want to sleep with, we asked, who would you want to go to dinner with? My dad said Tecumseh. Andrew said Danny McBride. Ari said Obama. And I, of course, said Taylor Swift. And they were all like, what would you ask her? And I'm like, about her songwriting process, about what does she feel when she feels like she's not good enough? Does she ever feel like low self-esteem? How does she combat it? What, um, what are her favorite songs of hers? What are her least favorite? Is she embarrassed by any lyric she wrote? Is there any lyric that she really likes the most? Who is this song about? What did John Mayer do to her? And spe like specifically, what about Calvin Harris? Is there any song in particular where you wrote like a sick burn and you're like, wow, that was good. And no one really knows that it was a sick burn. And will you tell me who is a sick burn against? Those kinds of things. I did have a magical moment today. I was wearing a Taylor Swift, Swift, Swift. I was wearing a Taylor Swift shirt uh, today. It's one of my favorites. It's her reputation shirt, stadium tour. I didn't even go, but I just got this shirt because um, the guy knew I was a fan and got it for me. A DJ at a radio station in Indiana. Shout out to Adam. And I was wearing this today and I went to Starbucks and a barista goes, I like your shirt. And I was like, you Swifty? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, sweet. And then I left and then I went to the grocery store and a girl was bagging my groceries and she was definitely on the spectrum. And she goes, I like your shirt. And I go, thanks. I go, do you, are you a Swifty? And she goes, what? And I was like, do you love Taylor Swift? And she was like, I love her lover album. And I was like, have you heard her new album folklore? And she goes, no, I just love her lover album. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, folklore is very good. And she goes, is it like her lover album? And I was like, it's actually very different. It's a little bit like more subdued and like slower songs and really, you know, stripped down. I didn't say these things, but I was just like, it's more like country. And she was like, I need to give it a listen, but I love her lover album. And I was like, I do too. What is your favorite song off lover? And she said, guess what she said? Lover. And I go, I go, yeah, me too. I love that song. And she goes, it's just because I, that's what I want in my life. And I really want to feel that way about someone. <laughs> you guys, she was bagging my groceries. And the guy that was like ringing my groceries was like, Dude, please talk to her. She's been talking to me all day. And, and so I was talking to her about Lover. But it was so sweet because she was like, I just want to feel that way about someone someday. And she was like probably my age, maybe younger. Actually, she's probably like a decade younger. But I've, I felt her age. And I wanted to be like, have you seen Love on the Spectrum? Will you be on that show? Because you would be great on the show. I mean, it, she was definitely autistic and definitely you could just see if you've watched that show, which I can't believe you listen to this podcast and you haven't watched Love on the Spectrum yet on Netflix. It just shows how much these people want to find love and how there's such a misconception about autistic people that they're like fine being in the, their own world and they don't want a partner because they, they can't, they're not as social as us. And it's like, no, they're dying for the same kind of love that they see other people that don't have autism seem to find so easily. I mean, I relate to it. I'm like, how does this come so easily to everyone? If you have a boyfriend out there, I'm just like so impressed. And it's not that I can't get a boyfriend. There are guys that want to be my boyfriend. I don't want you writing me being like, Nikki, I'll be your boyfriend. I know that there are guys. I just don't want you. And I don't know why. It's rare for me to want someone and they want me back. I've only found it one time in my life. And I just am like so impressed when people find it. 
and can let people in a little bit more. And this girl was just like, I just want to feel that what she feels in that song. And it was so sweet. It was so heartbreaking. And then she goes, I also love the man. And I was like, that's my favorite song on lover. And she was like, I love it. And then I had to go and I was like, it was so nice talking to you. And I honestly was like, I want to hang out with this girl. I think I want to work with people with autism. I really loved, I loved it. I love Love on the Spectrum more than most people do, I think, even though everyone that's seen it fucking loves it. Kyle Dunnigan texted me the other day being like, Nikki, you love Love on the Spectrum. I go, Kyle, how have we not talked about this yet? It's my favorite show. Wait till you get to Mark. Maybe I should set that girl up with Mark. Well, he lives in Australia. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't know how I could work with them. If you guys have any ideas for how I could work with um, people with autism, just like I just want to hang out with girls and guys who don't have friends and like want to talk. I just want to go talk to them and like be social with them and like listen to what they have to say about the world because I feel like the, the way they talk is so it's like talking to a child that is more articulate, articulate, you know, they have like the same wonder and enthusiasm for life and the same like positive outlook and, 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 but they're also super duper smart, but it's so simple and they're just, they're not cynical. I just love it. So direct me to anything about people with autism. And if you, if you know any ways in which I can start working with them, I mean, I could Google it, but I really do. I think that that's something talking with that girl today was like really rewarding for me. Maybe I have autism. My dentist sure thought I did. Uh, if you haven't heard that story, it's going to be my next special. Guys, I have to go. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. This one was um, really therapeutic for me. I hope you liked it. As always, I love you, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow on the show. Squirt, squirt. Jackpot. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.